Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode, and allow me to introduce my guest today, Swaggy. What's going on, man? My man, appreciate you for having me, man. This feels like a long time coming, no? Yeah, yeah. We've been trying to do this for the last, what, six months now? It's been a minute. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah. But uh, how are you doing otherwise, though? Everything uh, everything good? Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm good. This is probably like my first my first podcast in probably the last maybe 12 months, 13 months. So allow me to get acclimated back into to, to the swing <laughs> of things. But no, I'm good, man. I'm chilling. I'm in Puerto Rico. Bags upstairs. Two dogs upstairs. We're we just chilling right now, man. Well, one thing you forgot to include is this is your first podcast as a fully announced soon-to-be dad. <laughs> Good thing you said soon-to-be. A lot of people are saying, you got to celebrate Father's Day. I'm like, is there no baby here? I, I don't know. You know. I don't know how this thing works. So It's supposed to get here before Father's Day, though? No, no, no. After. After. Uh, but people are still telling me to celebrate Father's Day. I'm like, I don't have a physical child just yet, you know, but I don't, I don't know how it works, man. Yeah, congrats first off. Has it set in yet, or are you still kind of uh, leaning into the whole process? Yeah, it's set in now. We do in a few weeks, whereas the first few months, it, it, it didn't settle in. You know, it was still didn't feel, like, super real. Felt like my life was still going to be, like, you know, the same, the same, the same. It just felt like there was just something in Bailey's stomach. And, you know, after the, the gender reveal, it felt more real. And then the baby shower felt super real. And now we're at a point where it's like, okay, going to be here in a few weeks. And so now all these emotions are like actually hitting me now. So now I'm like more clingier to, to Bay because she has a baby now. And now I'm like really anticipating, you know, the baby being here and the closet is getting real. So now it's like, wow, okay, I'm really going to be a father. So. Yeah. And one thing I did notice when, you know, when you made that post, you talked about kind of keep it in the dark for a while. What was maybe the catalyst for that? Yeah, so the first time Bailey and I got pregnant, we had a miscarriage, and that was kind of, you know, broadcasted all over um, social media because rumors went crazy because it, people kind of knew that Bailey was pregnant on Big Brother, but we just confirmed it because the rumors were so crazy. We was getting asked, like, we just got, like, engaged, and then, like, in the interview, instead of talking about the engagement, like, they're talking about the rumors, the rumors, and she's like, okay, let's just talk, let's just talk about it to the people, and we got so much flashback, you know what I mean? Like, half people were like, oh, we're sorry. Other half were just like, I'm glad that baby died and y'all don't deserve it. You know what I mean? So, like, we were just like, all right, this time we're not going to tell nobody. Like, aside from our close family, nobody knew, you know, at all. I respect that a lot because I actually talk about this on here a lot, too. It's like a sad reality, but at the end of the day, there are, like, a large chunk of people, like, on social media that just don't enjoy seeing, like, others happy, if that makes sense. And I think, like, it's a sad reality, and it's, like, kind of like a harsh thing to hear like off first glance or hearing that but it's honestly the sad truth when it comes to social media and especially like when you're dealing with uh people in front of the public eye yeah it's it's weird how that happens because i don't care like what beef you have with somebody or what feelings if they're having a baby they just got engaged they just won the challenge they just won big brother they just did something monumental in their life no matter what you post about it there's going to be at least 10 to t especially if you are like you know somebody who has a following there's going to be at least 50 people in the, in the comments, you know, trying to bash you or kill you or or tear you down for that accomplishment. And it's just confusing. Do you notice that you get like any hate these days or is it kind of slowed down more since you haven't been on reality TV? Where is oh, it? It is, yeah, it, it is slowed down tremendously because I quit TV about two years ago and I've been focusing on, you know, being an entrepreneur and the businesses that I run right now. So now the hate I get or, or the drama I get is like other businessmen in my industry and who has a better product and better services. You know what I mean? It's not 
it's not the same reality hate, but I still get that from time to time. But as far as like reality TV, I have not. I don't see it. I don't check it. I don't. I think I've unfollowed every single you know fan, even the fans who supported me, which I never formally apologized for, but I do apologize for because I just didn't want to get on my Twitter or Instagram and just see anything related to reality TV or people. You know what I mean? Even though they they supported me, so I just wanted to get away from that. Right. There's like a certain digital footprint like that follows you, I feel like, when you do like reality television. But I feel like like someone in your case, right, there's certain people that in the entertainment industry, once they break away and do other things separate from reality TV, some are fortunate enough that they were able to like kind of leave that in the past because they've done so much that like their digital footprint, almost like, for example, like The Miz, like he's in WWE now, he's an example. And I feel like you're also someone that falls under that category with like what you've been able to do outside of reality TV, like with your businesses and stuff. Is it like maybe intentional that you want to like kind of have that footprint, almost like not a race, but kind of when people see you and notice you, the first thing they notice you from is, oh, that's the guy from Swag Academy, or this is the day trader, not this is the guy from Big Brother with Challenge. Yeah, yeah, it, that was most definitely, you know, purposeful. Um, and I, and what's crazy is I've actually su- like successfully done that. Like a lot of people who meet me are like, oh, you're like, can I get a picture with you? I'm like, okay, cool. And they're like, yo, you are, have inspired me on YouTube and being an entrepreneur. That makes me happy as opposed to, I saw you on Big Brother. You were kind of crazy. Like that's what I got the first two years. And now afterwards, for the last, since 2020, I've rarely, like if I meet a hundred people who randomly see me, doesn't matter where it is, probably 85 of them, maybe 82 of them are going to say they know me from trading or being an entrepreneur. And about, I still get about 15 to 18 from Big Brother. And the thing with the Miz, what people don't know is once he left um, the challenge and stuff, for the first four or five years, he was, you know, battling through Tough Enough and he was being a tag team partner. It wasn't really in the scene with WWE like that. It wasn't until about six or seven or eight years after that to where he left uh, the challenge to where he main evented WrestleMania against Cena and like, then he became like an actual household name, married Maurice and had his own reality show. So even though I've kind of broken away a little bit, give me about six or seven more years. I feel like it'll be for sure. Now, uh, long story short, having said that, I am not like embarrassed or ashamed of reality TV. That's not why I'm trying to break away. I'm trying to break away because of the fans and how toxic they are and the drama with the people. The actual like competition show, no, I don't got a problem with that. It's the people if that makes sense. I'm 100% with you on that. When you talked about like the business people now is kind of like where more of the hate's coming from. I feel like if you were to choose which is the lesser of the two evils as far as reality TV fans and then like business people, most definitely business people. Reality most animal. <laughs> yeah, bro, they are a different animal. And they will, they will, I will never forget like the drama or the fights that would come from it. And it's just like, but then after the drama and the fights, it's just like, they would text us separate, like, yo, you know, I'm just doing this just to get back on the next season. Look, let's just keep this going. Like, I, there's so many people who would do that. I'm just like, I just don't understand it. Whereas business, people are making fun of me because they're like, oh, you made this much money? I made this much. And that's the, the, the drama. It, it's, it's fake drama. It's not real. You know what I mean? So I, I'll deal with that any day of the week. Did you ever get, like, uh, affected emotionally or, like, mentally from maybe your experience with, like, the fans? Or were you able to, like, tune that out? Two experiences that changed my perspective on reality. The second one was the, was the end all be all. The first one was the Kevin situation, the basketball game that happened. That was a complete miscommunication. But that was the first time I, that people tried to cancel me and and people tried to kill me. And I felt like a lot of people turned their backs on me because of the situation. It wasn't until six months later when we came out with the, the documentary and the receipts and everything that I started getting apologies, even from friends who turned their back on me, started texting me saying, yo, I'm sorry. 
I just wasn't for it. But at that point, I was like, okay, I can't do this too much longer. But the the one scenario that really told me I will never do reality, and you can ask, I'm gonna name some names. You can name, you can ask these people specifically, and they will tell you. Swaggy said this. We were on the challenge. We had that trivia question on Total Madness, and we were hanging above like the rocket ships, basically. Um, and they, they, we were, I don't, we were so high in the air, like 40, 30, 40 feet in the air, and they would just obviously drop us in if you got the question right. If you got it wrong, if somebody picked you, I, I forgot how it went, whatever. But me, I couldn't swim. So being that high in the air and then just plunging, I did not want to do that. But since it happened, it, it is what it is. So I was getting the questions right, was going through it, going through it. And then Rogan got two questions right. It was like, who's the fastest animal in, 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 the, in the jungle? A cheetah, a bear, or a lion? He said cheetah. And then he gave me a point. Then he gave me another point, which sunk me into the water. The issue with that was, since I couldn't swim, they, they have like a little lifeguard person who's just there. I had a life jacket on, but they had somebody there watching. And I'm over there just like fighting like to, to, to breathe. Even though like I have a life jacket on, I'm still, even though I'm panicking, I don't know like what I'm really doing. And the guy is over there in his boat. He's like, come over here, come over here. So what people don't know about that episode is that if you go back and watch the episode, they edit to the minute I dropped, they went right to the next question. I was in that water trying to get out struggling for about maybe seven to eight minutes. Everybody is laughing. All the girls are just laughing. And it wasn't until, even the, the security people are laughing. It wasn't until Kyle, Kyle got dropped next. The minute he dropped, he came over to me, grabbed my hand and pulled me out of the water. And the minute I got outside of the water in the competition, and I, I went to everybody and said, I went to Corey, I went to Josh, I went to Nelson, Fessy, all of them were just like, yeah, this is fun, we're going to do this again. I literally told them, you will never see me on the show again. They said, why? I said, what? Like, that that just happened. Like, you guys will never, ever, even Anissa, you guys will never, ever, ever see my foot on this show ever again. Because of that, because that, when I, when even everybody thought it was funny, I'm in that water for eight minutes, I don't know how to swim, people are not. All right, remember that. Kyle, I appreciate you. Everybody else, I won't forget that. So that is that was the one moment that said I would never do this again. So that was more about like your, you know, basically peers than it was like a fan thing. Yeah, the fan thing was the Kevin thing. And then the peers was the second. So I was like, okay, you combine both of that. Okay, it's a, it's a lose-lose either way. So I'm just never going to do this again. But yeah, the fan was, was the Kevin situation. Peers was the second one. Have you kind of held that uh, total madness thing as like not like a chip on your shoulder, but like kind of kept it in the kept it in the dark for a bit? When you say kept it in the dark, what do you mean? Like kind of in the back of your mind, like you won't talk about it, but like you have like a mental note of it. Both. I will talk about it any day of the week because of, I guess, I guess where I am in life, I guess it, it's called like giving me peace to where it's like I can talk about these things. Um, but it definitely gave me a chip on my shoulder. I won't forget that. I won't forget uh, 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 a week, I think a few days before that, Josh threw a drink, uh, a drink on me, and then hit my yeah. security, and the security would not let me get to him, and then yelling at me and cursing me out. I won't forget all these people and what these. I won't forget any of that. That that was the biggest chip on my shoulder. And then after after I got the show, like that 2020, once it aired, and I completely quit and started focusing on my business, made a few million. That's when I felt. After I made that, I was like. All right, I don't need the chip on my shoulder anymore. I'm in a, I'm in a completely different space. That's why right now I'm in a different space. I don't hold any grudges. I'm cool. I'm happy. It's been two years since I started this business venture, so I'm completely happy. So I can talk about it now. But in 2020, oh, I completely have. That's why if you go back and look at my captions in 2020 or the things that I was saying, right now I'm actually kind of embarrassed at some of the things I was saying. I was reckless back then. I really I, wanted to yeah. prove people wrong, but 
it was stupid. It was stupid. People seemed like you had like uh, almost like this like built up like frustration with your time on the show, but nobody like I guess knew like where it stemmed from. So I guess this is maybe providing more clarity to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I have no problem ever talking about it, but just like I said in the beginning, this is my first podcast in a long time, and I, I don't know, I, I, I would answer any any question in the world, but yeah, 2020, I was really kind of crazy, but now I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm glad to hear that. Um, you brought up the, obviously, Josh Drink situation. I think this is a good segue, because I don't know if you heard through the grapevine, uh, him and Fessy had a little bit of an altercation on uh, the most recent season, and it drew back a lot really? of people. Yeah, it drew back a lot of fans to bring up that scene with you and him because on this most recent season, Bessie actually got kicked off uh, for mushing Josh, Josh in the face. Um, but he Josh got kicked was, off for, for mushing Josh. Yeah, but Josh was the one that kind of provoked him first, so that drew a lot of fans to bring back that moment of him throwing the drink in your face and wondering why he didn't face any repercussions for that. Do you feel like there's a certain level of like maybe protection going on with certain people as opposed to others? Yeah, I think. I, well, not I think I or know that happens. That matter. Say it again. Or favoritism, for that matter. For lack. Yeah, of- I, I I know that to be um, a fact. I know who the producers protect, but I also know that like. When that situation just happened, all the producers pulled me into the back. It was like, you guys, you gotta, like, it's just Josh that he, like, it's, it's just a drink. Like, Josh is, is Josh. He's gonna, he has, like, I'm not, I'm not saying he has, like, mental issues. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to bash Josh. What I'm saying is that there's people, they pulled me to the back. It was like, you know, Josh has things going on mentally where he'll snap, but then the next day he'll cry and say, I'm sorry. Like, so just take this as that. And for me, I was just so upset. But hearing that, that doesn't surprise me. Um, I, I just I just wish that because that, that I'm pretty sure that happened. What you're saying, I just wish Josh would stop. I don't think Fessy's wrong for much because if I would have got close to him, I'd probably do the same thing. And got, I guess got kicked off. I just think Josh should just be more aware that like throwing a drink is like the absolute most disrespectful thing you can do. And I don't even know if, if him and Fessy are probably still friends. I haven't talked to Josh to this day since then. You know what I mean? Because we've never we never really hashed it out. You know what I mean? Like in in New York with my friends growing up we we if something would have happened we would fight and then shake hands and be like oh we cool we, we got it out there's nothing to talk about and me and josh there was just nothing right like it's like and this isn't me coming at him as like a man or like a person but it's just it doesn't really sit right with me like ethically that like you know someone could have a continued pattern of like provoking others and then be have it being chalked up to like oh you know he'll just you know he's just drank a little bit or he's having an episode but if like someone else who has no history of this behavior at all has one slip up when he's provoked first and then he's just immediately kicked off um that just doesn't really sit right in my soul yeah it's a, it's, a, it's annoying but that's more of a producer thing you know like at that point it's hard to, to blame it's like Draymond Green with the referees. You know, realistically, it's like if he knows he can, he's done it twice and he's never gotten kicked off, like a little talking to in a corner is nothing. He's still going to get paid the exact same amount. He's just like, I'm just going to keep throwing drinks. This is going to get ratings. It's, it's, I'm just going to bring me back. Boom. It's not going to happen until the producer's like, hey, like you cannot. I'm, we're going to take this as assault. We're going to take this as like you putting your hands on somebody and you're going to get kicked off. Then he'll stop doing that. You know what I mean? I don't think. If, if, if Josh is allowed to do that, I think I'm allowed to touch him. I think Fess is allowed to, to, to mush him. And then we live with it because if I would have mushed Josh, it's not like we would have hated each other the whole season. He threw a drink on me. I hit him. We talk about it a few days later. It's over. Like, I, people don't understand how easy it is to get over something. But when somebody's allowed to do something to you and then I'm reprimanded by 
getting thrown in the corner, so I'm going to get kicked off, boom, 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 then it's like, all right, there's an issue. So they told you that, that you would have gotten, you know, kicked off? Yeah, because, like, like the, if you go back to watch the scene, after he took a drink on me, I tried to run at him, but they, they, they corralled me and threw me into the corner, and they, they put us in, like, a little separate room for, like, an hour and told us that, like, if you if you touch them, you're getting kicked off. All the money that like the money that you're supposed to be guaranteed, you're not gonna get. We're gonna take you to took us to Popeyes, I believe. Afterwards, they didn't, they, they took us in a separate car and they took us back home, uh, back to the bunker. And when we got to the bunker, they said if you if you touch them, I don't care what happens, I don't care if it provokes you, you're getting kicked off, and the the money that's gonna guaranteed is not gonna be given to you. And the issue with me was, it's not like right now where like all this money I'm making right now. Like, if this was right now, I still would have, I would be like, okay, and then I went and, and, and hit him. You know, yeah. I, I w- wouldn't have cared. But at the time, me and Bailey wasn't making money like that. We were just a, a, a regular reality TV couple. So that money that was from the challenge, we needed that money. So I was like, I'm not going to risk my family. Me and Bailey just moved to LA and risk, you know, some of this guaranteed money to, to fight. I'm going to talk it out. If I get eliminated, I get eliminated. If I win, I win. It is what it is, but I'm going to give myself a chance. So um that was kind of the, the the mindset they did tell me that i would get kicked off if i even did anything even if i got something and threw it at him and hit him i would i would have got kicked off so you think maybe had you in the so like say the roles are reversed right like you threw the drink and maybe he was coming after you do you feel like you maybe would have been kind of axed and that wouldn't have applied for him obviously as we saw yeah, I think if, if I threw the drink, I would have gotten kicked off because I still had Bailey and it was my first season. I, I, I've showed, I, even though like every season since Total Madness, they've asked me and Bailey beat on decline every single one. It's my, that was my first season. So we haven't showed them anything on at that point, like why they should keep us. You know what I mean? Like, whereas Josh has been continued seasons. Josh is good entertainment. Josh is good to watch on TV. You either love, love him or you hate him, but he's like polarizing. You know what I mean? Which is which is a great thing, um, for for the producers. But for me, in my first season, I wasn't the swaggy that I was on Big Brother, and everybody knew that on Big Brother I was crazy, I was reckless. That if Big Brother did a, a, an All Star season and wanted to bring people back, I'm talking about like if they continued like the challenge, I would have clearly got called back. The challenge, on the other hand, I was like, okay, this is my first time being on TV since Big Brother. First time I acted crazy, I got kicked off second. I'm gonna be very very quiet. To the producers, they didn't like that because they cast it swaggy. They got Chris and they didn't like that. So if I would have threw a drink on him, I for sure probably would have gotten axed. Wow. I mean, it's a, that's a sad reality, but I mean, it's honestly, in my opinion, I would probably say the same thing. Yeah, pro- yeah. probably. So they're still, they would still, uh, you know, call you guys, right? Like as far as like, you know, you obviously announced your retirement, but they've, um, you know, kind of still tried to really back in. They don't care, man. They, 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 they will email us or, or WhatsApp or whatever, maybe and say, hey. This is such and such from, you know, uh, Buna Murray or, or the challenge. Um, we want to see it. what's your availability for between these dates. We're doing the challenge 36 or doing the challenge 37. We're doing 38. Over, uh, they, they, I don't think they'd ever set a place, but they said we're doing 38. Um, it's going to be cold. It's going to be hot. Boom, boom, boom. Would you be interested? Are you? Do you want to come? We'd love to. Boom, boom, boom. And we just say. We wouldn't be dry. Like I would tell them, Plato, like, no. Uh, unfortunately, I have a lot, a lot of things going on. And I would have this thing going on, this thing going on, and I would lose like a lot of like money if I were to come on the show, even if I would, even if I would win, you know. And I, every single, they don't care. They don't take that as, okay, let's take them off the list. They're like, okay, 
we'll hit you back, hit you back up in eight months from now. And it's like, I right, keep trying. Hey man, it's a persistent tactic. You know, they might catch you one of these days. They might catch me. They, one of these days, I might be like, you know, I was talking to Jordan Wiseman. We was talking one time, and and uh, we was saying that like the competition. You know, right now, you know, Jordan said he's in a good spot to where he can just go, and the money is great. Any type of money you win is great, but like I'm going for to show that I can still do it competition wise. For me, when when he was explaining it to me, I was just like, you know what? Like you, you do make a good point where it's like it's just fun to go for the competition and just do all these things. Like why don't you just try it one time? So in my mind, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should one time, but I I, I still to this day probably would never go back. Um, yeah. But if I were to go back, it wouldn't be a money incentive. It'd be like a do I can I still perform? the way I used to perform. Right. It's like, it's like a natural, uh, you know, athletes instinctive nature to kind of, you know, want to see like what you're still capable of doing. And like, you know, you're always going to have that like kind of itch within you. It never really goes away. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. No matter what, it doesn't go away. Even me watching the all-stars with, with Bailey and I was, cause for me, I think me and, and a few others, like I, I never really got the big brother experience. Big brother was my favorite show growing up. I, I never knew what a real world or a challenge was. Big brother was a show I used to watch growing up with my dad. But when I got on, I got a bit the second week. I, I was upset because I never got that experience. And people, even though luckily, like I'm in a, like a lot of people would, would trade being on TV to be where I am I'm at right now. The little kid in me still wants to have a full six, seven weeks in big brother and see what it's like to be in jury or see what it's like to, you know, double eviction. You're gonna, but I guess I just never see it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody's uh, the rumors floating around right now that the one they're filming right now, the theme is ride or die. So it's like people that are, you know, opposite sex and then like very tight or like paired together. And everybody was like, oh, it's ever a time for Swaggy and Bailey to come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if that's the, the theme of the season, that I guess it would be a time for me and Bailey to come back. I don't. I just don't know, man. We just. Yeah. We are so far removed from like, and I, when I say removed, we I have not watched a single episode. I haven't. I don't know. The only person I follow is Gamer Bev. So occasionally I'll see something, but Gamer Bev tweets so much that it's hard to really keep up with what's going on. But she, but she's she's she, she's the homie. But other than that, I, I haven't. So when you said the Josh and Fessy thing, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what what happened the next the next like who won the next season. I don't know. Like any of that, like I don't know who won the season after that. I know who won the most recent All Stars because I'm close with them, but I don't, I don't know like anything else. You know about, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, um, that is a good point though. Like I think people kind of sometimes have a hard time like leaving the game or like leaving the show. Whereas like you know you've done a very good job of kind of differentiating like reality from reality show if that makes sense yeah for me it's like so here's the thing i want to preface this by saying like money is everything but it's also it's not everything when i say it's everything i mean when we come on these shows and all all how many people are on on the challenge 32 30 25 something something like that we're all going to, to we're all trying to make make some money right but then when you're on the show and you hear that you know, Bananas gets, you know, six figures guaranteed. He can leave on day one, six figures. Oh, CT just lost to, to Jay in the fifth day. He already got six figures. And Wes, the same thing. And then I'm over here with, like, a, a, a two-week guarantee. And these people are on two-week guarantees and three-week guarantee. Tory Deal is we, – we had a – the Fast and Furious challenge. Um, Tory Deal comes to me, and, and she's like, 
yeah, I'm on a, I'm on the same guarantee as you. you she's been on for three, four. How, why is she on the same guarantee as, as me? You know, she has this romance with her and Jordan. They're clearly killing it. Why is she not getting paid more? I don't understand. So when I'm doing this in my mind, I'm like, okay, Tori makes the show. She's not getting paid. Oh, and when I say a lot, a lot maybe to the, to like, like the fans, cat- I guess. Yeah. I, it's 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 I guess you know what I mean. It's it, it's per, it's a perspective thing. But for me, it's like at the point, it's like it's it's not not even now. I'm talking about them. Like you're getting paid the same as me. Whereas these three or four people have been on for a long. They're getting six figures. I'm looking at this person. I'm looking at even D. I'm looking at um all these people like just not getting paid. I'm just like. No, we 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 make the show at the end of the day. Like it's not like the show makes two million dollars and then they're all like they're allocating that to us. And the show makes millions of dollars and they probably got a budget of like five or take away the grand prize, like five hundred K, maybe I don't know, maybe four hundred K for all the contestants, then a five hundred K or a million dollar grand prize, and then everything after that on take away the expenses for being in Poland or being in Czech Republic. Everything else is, is there, and I feel like a lot of people on the challenge should be paid a lot more money for the, the, the things they go through. It's, yeah, because you're, in a sense, putting your life out there for them, you know what I mean? Like, you're putting everything you have on the line, you know? You're going to have to go home and not only have, like, the wounds of returning from filming a show, which I've heard is, like, a lot of people had culture shocks from doing that. It's very bad. Um, yeah, it's very I, bad. Saying there should be some type of aftercare put in place, but um, you know that's a different discussion. But that's um, another story. Um, there should be something there because me and Bay were traumatized after our first experience to realize that when we were in a bunker, we didn't have the same amenities that they had the season before us. I don't know if they were in a bunker the season after us, but if they weren't. We didn't have those same amenities, and then there's so much drama on the show just to be told that, like texting privately with, these, with some of these castmates, just just for the show come back next season, we're going to be good. The, the girls that Bailey are fighting with, like, the, the exact same girls, like, if you go to YouTube and type Bailey versus whatever on the challenge, they're, they're the same one DMing her saying, yo, like, it was all for show, we're going to be great friends next season, let's just come in, but if anything, we can keep this going and make more money. It's all a money thing for people. So if it's all a money thing, like, at least from what's going on, there should be some type of mental health thing that's there. I remember talking to, to, to Shy. Um, who was on Team Mom, and she was saying that there was a challenge, like, before the finals, that, like, they had to do something from a helicopter, do something, 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 and then, I don't know if this is public information or not, I, I hope it is, because if it's not, then it's out there now. They test, they tested the um, the competition with, like, stunt dummies and the pilot, whatever, and the plane crashed, and they all died. And and and, and they, they, they rushed all the contestants to the hotel, and they were all crying, saying, Yo, like I want to go home. Challenge wouldn't let them, and they did. A, I don't, I don't, because I got told this story like two years ago. I don't know if they did the same challenge a, the, a few days later, or they did a different one. But I just know that I was told that, and that happened. And then nobody got 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 like released home because it was like the final nine or final ten or something like that. So it's just like if that happens, there should be some type of aftercare, mental health thing for all these challenges because there's a lot that goes on that the public doesn't know about. That is unreal. Wow. Yeah, and, and I hope that's out there because if it's not, then I'm going to be getting some text messages over the next few days. It is what it is, but that's, <laughs> that, that's what happened, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, especially like, uh, unfortunately, not only are you going to not have aftercare, which should probably be there, period, when coming off of a reality show, 
the situation that you're coming off of was even worse because it was like a bunker type season, which watching in real time, it's uncanny how coincidental that was considering that aired like in the height of like lockdown in the real world. If you remember, that was like the height of uh, when COVID was first happening and yeah. guys pretty much quarantined on screen. And uh, the season was filmed like five months prior. How weird is that? It was it was weird because it, I think it, it launched like April the first week of April and April 4th. I lost to yeah I lost to uh, Corey I think November 29th, I believe and then Bailey got got done with finals December like 16 17 so to know that that happened and then Bailey gets home and like it's kind of kind of weird I had like this hair but then when Bailey gets home it's cut so I had like low hair so she had to get used to me for the first time I had to get used to her for like. Going through that shock of being in it because I wasn't at the finals. I didn't go up like the snow. I didn't do any of that that she did. I didn't have to sleep outside like she did. We're getting used to that. And then two, three months later, there's like, oh, there's a whole lockdown, like March 21st or something like that. I forgot the exact date. It, it locked down. Then knowing that everything was locked down, it's like, yo, like we were just in a bunker to where like we couldn't leave. We couldn't go past a certain distance. We couldn't do it. It, it was just, I remember being on, on, and it's crazy. It's, 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 it's a lot more that goes on that people know about. But I remember that. We were in the bunker, and um, and I don't I don't want to get too much into the story because this is definitely not public information. But I and I don't I don't want to I'm not calling this person out to call them out. I'm saying that um, we were so confined and locked in that it, it it's crazy. Remember the, the 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 second week of the challenge of Total Madness, uh, something was going on with 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 Josh, and it was like three o'clock in the morning and he was just like crying, he just couldn't stop crying. He went outside and went to like a, like a little bit down, not the street, but in the backyard, I'm just sitting down crying. And I went outside and I was just sitting with him and like consoling him and saying, oh, you're gonna be all right, it's all good. It's all, which is why it confused me how we got to the place that we were, to where he went through a drink on me, but this wasn't even recorded, no cameras or nothing. But, Yo, you good, like everything's all good. And then security comes outside and starts yelling at us because we're past the line where we could be at and we're a little farther than we should be. I'm like, yo, I don't care about no line. I don't care about no money. I'm, like, this is a guy who's going through something. And all you care about is we're five feet away from the line. And you want to put, no, like, get the, get the cameras out. I don't want to hear none of that. And so it, it, it from that point, it, it showed me that, okay, we're confined to the, this box. Like, this is a box right here. We're confined into it. Can't leave it. And then we get to, to the real world. We're trying to navigate our way into the real world from being in that box. And two months later, we're back in the box. And we can't leave our home again. It, 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 it gets it got hard for a lot of people who were in that bunker for the first time. It, a lot of us probably went through the same thing. How is that sanctioned in the year 2020? Like, I can't even believe that in the current climate that they would opt to uh, go in a, a route like that and putting you guys into a situation like that. You're talking about uh, the challenge. You're talking about the real world. Total mat, like total madness. Oh, we say this all the time. We 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 talk about it all the time. Like the castmates, like the the stuff they do is illegal. I, I don't care what nobody says. Like it's illegal. Like they got us doing it. They got us waiting four hours in the cold just for them to demonstrate something. Then waiting four hours in the cold and doing what we got to do. Then waiting two hours in the cold. Like, bro. Like when I think Corey went on. The, I saw it on TikTok. Corey went on the podcast and we talk about it. Like we gotta we gotta get wake waking up in the morning and take a bus someplace and sit on that bus for an hour and get taken off and then sit outside for four hours while they demonstrate and get things ready and then do it and sit outside for two more hours and get back home and now we're starving and, and it's not food that we like or take that exact same scenario but before doing the challenge oh something messed up we got to come back and do it all again tomorrow and it's like tomorrow i'm why would i do this you know so yeah i don't know how i get sanctioned bro every single year that they show me or like 
it's just more and more illegal. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, I got to ask you now, since we're basically almost pretty much an exact two years since this first occurred, you know, was uh, the whole situation with uh, D, you know, and um, you were obviously heavily involved when that first occurred. I want to know, like, maybe your thoughts on maybe how it was handled, both maybe her situation and then uh, from afar, maybe MTV's uh, handling of just the movement as a whole. Yeah, so I think that, um, so the situation with D was it was a very crazy situation, and people have to understand this. She was saying this in the midst of, you know, everything going on with George Floyd and the protests, so it was really, really heightened. Um, I do think it was handled correctly. My only issue, and Bailey's only issue, was we did not, first of all, we didn't want D to get banned at all. Nobody knows that. Second of all, if she did get banned, we did not want her to get banned for life. Like, if, if you want to say, what, what the challenge does normally with, with these, uh, with, with uh, Pauly Califuri and, and some of these people, it's like, oh, well, take a season off and we'll, we'll bring you back the next one or two seasons from now. With D, I felt like she could, they could have banned her for 36 and 37 and then come back to 38. Um, so I, I do think that I do re regret some of the things I tweet. Like I was very, very upset because like I, I'm obviously black, baby black, and we just watched another black man get killed um, unarmed and unjustly. And we watched that happen. And D's on Twitter talking about some, I'm Black Lives Matter because I have sex with black people. And she's making a joke of it. So I was very, very upset. So me blasting her, I'm cool with, but me saying stuff like, her mom doesn't know that she's on TV and she tells her mom she's a marketer and she's living a double life. And that stuff I'm not proud of, I'm not happy of whatsoever. I do regret like that type of stuff. And I, I, I really, really do, or I really wish that she only got suspended so that she could be on now because she was a great challenger. She was, believe it or not, which caught, which effed us up was the first half of the season, D was me and Bailey's best friend. Like she was, a, aside from like Fessy, obviously, and, and, and Big Brother and stuff, but D was like her closest friend. You know, so um, we always like generally cared about her well-being. And then when that situation happened, it just exploded. But it should have been a suspension, maybe two or something, just to, so she can realize what she's saying is not a joke and then come back. And so she can have a renown energy and like a newfound life. Like, OK, I see what I see what life is like when I'm not on the challenge. I see like how my words affected people. Now I'm back and I'm a different person now. So. Right. Like. You know, it's obviously really not my place to say, but like an immediate band without like kind of first off, like educating the person who actually said this stuff is not like it's not one stopping that person from doing it again. But two, also setting what I feel would be a proper precedent just for the future in general, because say if someone does like something much worse than what D did, for example, then correct facing the same punishment then what you're kind of saying is these are the same things you know what i mean like if someone were to go on twitter and like a cast member and call someone the n-word that's obviously much different than what you know d said but correct. if you're facing the same punishments then you're kind of saying like all right this is the same thing you know what i mean yeah and, and they, they kind of already like they already kind of messed it up people didn't really notice this too much they did notice it, i guess but like they 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 took Jordan off because of what, yep. what he did with I forgot I, I guess I, I didn't watch what was his name Naya Nia or something like that uh, yeah yeah they, they they took him off and then two years later you're gonna have letters like oh we want you back for All Star we want you back for this but they're not doing the same thing with D and it's like you know what I mean so it's like 
and people got to understand people grow like jordan has talked to tanaya jordan is literally one of my best friends from the show yeah. like hands down like the closest person i still talk to this day almost every single week um he did he, he he he's an inspiration for you know actually heading over to ukraine during everything that that's going on i'm very very proud of him but it sets a precedent like you said where like they, they act out they don't even teach d on what's actually going on and then they just kicked her off and and that was a a, a huge issue because they just said all right you're gone but now she doesn't she she just knows that she got kicked off for saying this but she doesn't know why it's hurtful during these times and x y and z and that that's an issue even i think what west kind of called it i guess like the west is one of my uh, good friends as well but like when i tweeted all of that west literally called me like 10 times like yo take all this down these gonna get kicked off and i said bro like i'm not taking them down and my the reason i didn't take it down and, and um i don't know if i even told west i probably told west this or i said is if you would have called me saying I'm sorry for what happened. I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for how this makes you feel about George Floyd, but we won't. But if you really think about it, like this may happen with D, that would have, I would have been more sympathetic, but he called me more worried about D than he was the situation because D was obviously his protege. Yeah. It's something like that. Yeah. And for me, I was like, I'm not, I'm not taking these down, but yeah, I, I really wish like people to educate D on what happened before or afterwards. Yeah. And another thing, you know, on the staying on the same topic is this with the punishment that like D faced and then like obviously like in my honest opinion you know obviously you know depending on who you ask the Jordan thing was obviously something from like years back that had been like settled and resolved you know what I mean just wanted to preface that but with that exactly it's almost like setting like or opening up rather a different can of worms by then to the casual viewer they're going to see, oh, well, this is a woman who happens to be a minority in her, in her own right, and she's getting axed completely. But here's a white man, but we're only putting him on, like, ban. Now, I'm not saying that he should or shouldn't have been banned. You know what I mean? Correct, correct, correct. correct. I'm to the casual, but to the casual eye, that's what it's going to be looked like, guess. Yeah, and um, again, like I said, I, I, have, I still have not talked to D since the situation happened. Um, but if, if MTV is watching this, I, I really hope they reconsider uh, letting her back on only because even though we, we've never talked to her, we've forgiven her months after because it wasn't it wasn't like she did something to me or Bailey. It, we were just representing black people in general. And I guess we were the face of it, but it wasn't like she personally attacked me or Bailey. So um, it, it like you said, to, to the viewer, it does sound kind of crazy because D is a minority. Like she, she most definitely is. Um, doesn't give her the right to say certain things, doesn't give me the right to say certain things, but at the same time, I don't think people should be banned for a life for a 25, 40 year period when they they messed up, everybody messes up. Make sure she learned from it, put her through a psych evaluation like you put everybody through, and you feel like she she's good, then yeah, for sure, bring her back. I feel like what she did, um, it's not like she killed, again, what she said was not good enough, but she's been banned for two, three years now. Fine, but someone's like she killed George Floyd were like, okay, you got to be locked away for, for actual life. You know what I mean? Even the guy who killed George Floyd is not even locked. He's doing a 15-year bid. You know what I mean? So it's like, eventually he's going to walk the earth again. So D is not going to walk the challenge again. So I just hope that gets rethought, I guess. Yeah, that's a good place to close that topic. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about you now. Man. So I would ask, you know, what you've been up to, but I don't know if that would be where it starts or where it ends. We'll <laughs> yeah. Find the happy medium here. 
Let's talk about Swag Academy. Can you kind of walk me and my viewers through what exactly Swag Academy is? Yeah, the Swag Academy is, a, is an online educational course that teaches people how to trade because I've been trading for the last eight years. Um, it also teaches people a little bit about investing um, for the time being because I'm more of a, now I'm a trader and investor. But when I started the Swag Academy, I was just a pure, pure trader. So it just kind of teaches people exactly how to actually do that. I trade with them. I, I teach them a lot from top to bottom for beginners, intermediate, advanced people. And now I'm, I'm, um, I'm kind of, I have teachers and mentors in place to kind of help run that. And now I'm um, launching, I think, two other businesses this year. Um, one, uh, a SaaS company, software as a service company, and another that is, um, it's, 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 uh, it's another software, they're both software technology data companies, but they have to deal with trading and investing as a whole, but more so with uh, finance in general, like with, when it comes to credit and budgeting and everything else in general. So, so that's the Swag Academy, that's what I've been running for the last few years and trading on my own, and now I'm launching two other businesses, one in August, the other in November, that I'm probably 30 times more excited about than the Swag Academy. And you found uh, trading while you were in college, right? Yeah, I was 19 years old. I came. I was watching a battle rap, and before the YouTube was was an ad that came on. And for some reason, like you know, how we always just skip the ad, skip the ad real quick. Right. <laughs> always. For some reason, I, I didn't skip it. For some reason, like the he, he the guy said something in the first five seconds that did not make me want to skip the ad. So I just watched it the whole way through. Watched the three minutes. Clicked this free seminar. It was a two-hour seminar. I watched it that night. Sent it to my brother. And ever since then, I I've been uh kind of locked in into this entrepreneurial business mindset, which called me to drop out of college my junior year, you know what I mean? And let me down this path. Yeah, I, I, so I've noticed this too with like entrepreneurial life. I've noticed like you almost take on like a bit of like a artist role, you know, like you put your work out, you do your work and it's always like go. That's your only command is like, just go. You don't like focus on like what has happened or like what's currently happening. It's always like what's next or what's going to be next. And that's something like I've noticed with you too. Like you're very yeah. focused on like what's going to be next, like what's not currently happening or what has already happened. Is that kind of always how you've been wired? Do you feel? Um, yeah. Right now with business, when it came to like TV, I was never worried about what's next. I was worried about what's now and let's maximize Big Brother now. Let's maximize the channel. I was worried. I, I was focused on that, but with business, I and even before TV, like. With college, I was always worried about what's next. I was babysitter. I dropped out of college to be a babysitter and use that money to start trading with. Um, but then now with business, I'm always focused on what's next, which is an issue because, you know, Bailey will see, you know, all this money coming in and she's like, can we just relax? I'm just like, no, there's no time to relax. Now I got my mom, my brother who, who they like both retired. I got this person, this family member. Like, I'm, and people don't know, I'm paying all these family members' bills. I, I sent, I gave out over probably a million dollars to, Family members, uh, old friends who needed bad situations, charities, just churches, just donating stuff because somebody's a single mother is writing to me saying, oh, like my car broke down. I walk to work every single day and I'm just hustling through and I hope God's gonna give me a blessing. And I see that on Twitter and people will know that I've done this so many times on Twitter where people will tweet me or tweet that. And it's like, oh, all you need is five thousand dollars to like take care of rent for the next six months. What is five thousand dollars to me? Here, take it. You're a single mother. You, you need a car. Okay, is, is this car good enough? It's only fourteen thousand dollars. Nissan Sentra. Is that good? To them, it's just the world. So for me, it, I, I did that all through twenty twenty. But I'm always focused on what's next, what's next, what's next. And basically, like we got to focus on on now. So I've, I've done a terrible job at focusing on now. Like I talked about, like what's now? That's why I can't. I'm focused on August and November. My two other businesses. You know what I mean? I was in Texas 
focusing on Puerto Rico because I knew this was coming, you know? So it's just, I don't know. I, I, I take it as a good thing, you know? Have you ever hit like those curves? Because I think like entrepreneurs and content creators alike, they find themselves like almost like engulfed with like the idea of uh, numbers and statistics and analytics. And then you always put yourself on like this kind of like limit of like, well, I'm here. Well, how do I get to here? Why am I not here? Why are my numbers like this one week? And then not like that. Has that been uh, something that's weighed on you at all? Yeah, that's that's the biggest stress that I that I that I had over the last two years. It was like I'm a very analytical guy, so I'm checking Stripe and I'm checking my payment uh, payment processes. I'm looking at certain things. I'm just like, why why is the money different, or 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 why this student liked my course and now doesn't like it, or why this person uh, hated who I was on TV but now is in love with me and in love with my program. It's like everything is just so up and down, up and down on on both ends and. It's just like it weighs on me a lot where it's like um why are things different you know like and what messed me up last year like in 2020 when things were going all smooth um i made close to let's say i made close to five million right so i'm just like okay this is going to be consistent for the next the next few years then 2021 when i took like a break and i went to like the ufc events and i was kind of relaxing we only did like two point something i'm just like yo there's no way i'm i'm doing i just did half of what i did last year like why and I, I'm I'm analyzing every single chart. I'm analyzing my own trades. I'm analyzing my YouTube. I'm analyzing everything. Like what? Like I'm I'm talking like I, I literally would go to Mexico to a resort called Grand Velas for like two weeks and just sit there by myself or me and Bailey by ourselves, not explore the island, but just get away from all the noise and just look at everything. All these sheets, all these analytics, our YouTube, everything was like. What changed? What's going on? Oh, you took more vacation this year. Oh, you you spent you know one hundred and thirty thousand going sitting front row at a UFC event that was just a one night thing. And there's a reason why all these numbers kind of doing you, like twenty twenty. You were so focused and locked in. Twenty twenty one, not so much. Which is why this year I'm happy to say that we probably quadrupled what we did in twenty. Well, we're going to by the end of the year quadruple what we did in twenty twenty because I'm more focused. But it, it, that's not to say that next year is going to be the same. Like I, I'm constantly worried about the future. I, I have a, a kid that's going to come soon, and I have high expectations for what her life or what the, well, it's, a, it's her life is going to be like. So it's just I don't know. It's just a lot, you know. No, I've been uh, kind of prioritizing, you know, decompression recently, you know, because I've noticed uh, that with myself as well. It's um, you kind of lose yourself in a way. When you're uh, so focused on your craft, you don't like prioritize like your own health at the end of the day. You know what I mean? How does that work for you? What do you mean? Like when when you decompress, do you feel like like my life is 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 better and and like even though I'm decompressing from what I love to do, this decompression is helping me do what I need to do. Do you feel that way? Or do you feel like antsy? Like I got to get back. There's a certain level of ants. Obviously, that exists. Like, it's not going to just go away after you've been, like, doing something for so long. But at the same time, I've noticed, like, with taking the decompression, I'm able to, like, perform functions in my normal life than I wouldn't had I be, like, fully invested into, like, my craft and what I'm doing right along. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah, I got to I gotta look into that because I've been talking to, you know, Zach Rance, and, and he's, like, a real big on mental health and... You know, Caitlin Herman tells me all the time, you got to relax, you got to relax. And it does mess with me sometimes when I'm up for three days straight, no sleep. And then, like, I just crash the fourth day and people talk about my health. Like, I like I, I still, like, work out and play basketball like I should. But, like, 
I'm probably eating once or twice a day, if that, because I'm so focused and locked in. I don't take coffee, but I'm not sleeping how I should be. So I, I'm, I really want to prioritize um, mental health and focus. And Puerto Rico has done wonders. Uh, I said wonders on me mentally and, and how peaceful I am. Um, I can't say enough great things about this place. So I guess this is, this is the start to me really decompressing because even though I'm still like working, I'm not as stressed as I was in Los Angeles. I've noticed that too. Like I don't obviously can't attest to like what Puerto Rico is like, but I know just from like seeing LA is obviously very loud. Like I use the expression loud. Like I know that with New York, I just took a vacation the last two weeks myself. I'm back this week. Um, New York's very loud, LA loud. You know, so I think like the location change and going from like a somewhere that's considered loud to like somewhere where it's like more quiet and like, you know, kind of mellow is a big focal point in helping change maybe your mental state as well. Like I say that travel changes people or heals people. I know that's an expression. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's interesting how that works because when we were in Mexico we realized we got the same amount of work done. In LA, we have like two huge penthouses. And then in Mexico, we have this small, you know, one bedroom on this resort. We got the same work done with a tenth of the space and way more peace than we had in LA. Like, we don't need all the stuff that we're like, that we have in LA. Like, we don't need any of that stuff. We don't, we don't. And that's what made us realize that, okay, we got to prioritize where we're at because LA is loud. Every single night there's sirens and there's this and there's, and New York, we're from New York. I'm from, Bridgeport, Connecticut, but it's like right 20 minutes from New York. Like I, I, I'm from loud areas. So coming to New York, not New York, coming to Puerto Rico, it was like, okay, like, wow, I'm really extremely peaceful. Every, every single day I wake up, I'm blessed. I'm peaceful. A lot of the materialistic things that I cared about in 2020, I don't know more. I, I rarely wear any of my chains. The two Teslas that I got, they're still in Los Angeles. I, I let my friends use them because I, I got like a Ford Explorer, just driving around Puerto Rico. Like I, I, a lot of the things that I cared about. When when you're in a peaceful environment and 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 your mental health feels a lot better, you just stop caring about all the things that gave you so much stress. Like I don't have an image to uphold. I, I don't, I don't care. I really, do I really care that I have this right now? Do I really care that I'm? No, I don't. So, um, my mental health for sure has gotten better because I traveled to Puerto Rico. And that, and that I don't think I would ever came to this realization if I didn't feel that I could get the same work done in Mexico with. 10 times more peace. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad that you brought up, you know, growing up near this area, because one uh, documented fact from doing a deep dive on you is you actually did spend some time on the St. Peter's uh, basketball team. <laughs> Peacock, sir. Yeah, yeah, man. Peacocks, man. I, I, I went to the game when they played UNC. Um, and uh, obviously we lost that game. We beat Purdue and, and uh, beat Kentucky and them, but Nah, St. Peter's is, is definitely home for me. Was basketball your first love? Yeah, so basketball was my first. Uh, I didn't start playing basketball until I was 14 um, because we had an NBA coach, not coach, NBA player, uh, retire from the NBA and then come back to our city to coach us because he played at that school. Um, so basketball was like a big thing. I was, people don't know I was a baseball player growing up. I was I loved baseball. baseball I was a center fielder. I was all all Patriot, all state, basically uh, uh, in terms of baseball. I was nasty, but we were 0 and 15. Like our, we, we sucked. And then all like all the girls, all the teachers, everybody's at all these basketball games. I'm just like, all right, I'm gonna learn basketball. So I, I spent like 
a summer learning basketball. Sophomore year, I was better, but still on JV. Junior year, I was better. I was on varsity, but I wasn't as good. And senior year, I averaged 15 points a game, and I was I was good. Went to a D3 school, transferred to a D1 school, and the the competition was just so you know uh, uh, amazing. Getting to St. Peter's, you know, everybody was the best at their school. But it, it was there that helped me get to where I am right now. Like when I, when I got to St. Peter's and I wasn't playing, but I was like, in all, I was in all the practices, got all the uniforms, I did all the travel, but I wasn't playing. I realized that okay, I may not have a career. I could go overseas if I wanted to, but I may not have a career like making good money overseas like I envisioned. So I got to figure something else out, which is why I ended up listening to that ad because like those five seconds, do you want to make money or something like that? It clicked in my mind, but I'm seeing I'm not playing. And then there's somebody who's averaging 25 points per game going overseas, but making 72K or 60K a year. I'm just like, okay, like if he's the best player on the team, what am I going to do? You know, but I, I love St. Peter's, love my time there. I, I love Jersey City, um, and that will forever be, you know, home for me. So you realized, uh, you know, your passion for day trading while you're at St. Peter's, or was it um, originally? It was no, it was at St. Peter's for sure. It was at St. Peter's, yeah, yeah, it was at St. Peter's. I once practiced in, I like when I first got there to practice because I was like trying to play for a spot. After every practice, I was there. I would get the gun out and start shooting on, on the shooting gun. I was there for two hours. At, well, damn near almost out there every practice, as were the other players. But once I realized that I wasn't playing, every single practice, the very minute it ended, I went down, I showered, went to the cafeteria, got my food, went back to the crib and studied day trading for like to like two, three in the morning. And once I once once we lost in the playoffs, I told I talked about this on my YouTube channel. We lost in the playoffs on the sixth, and then on um, like March. On March 10th, I made like $2,000 day trading in my college dorm. The, the very first like week that I had with no stress from basketball, I had all the free time in the world to, to study. I made $2,000. At that moment, I said, oh, I'm dropping out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus on this full time. And if, and if it doesn't work out, I can easily come back for my last year. But right now, I got to go chase this. People don't realize to a college student like how much money that is, though. Bro, I like really felt like I, was, I won the lottery, bro. Like... I felt you gotta understand, like I and I talk about this as well. I literally had like two dollars in my bank account. Like I couldn't afford. I remember going to the gas station and they had a pop tart for like ninety nine cent and a drink for like ninety nine cent, but with tax it was like two seventeen, and I only had like one ninety seven market. So I really had to decide between pop tart or some water. You know what I mean? And I ended up getting the pop tart, and then one of my friends had a water. And I just and I never told people like the things they struggle with, but then making two thousand, bro, I really felt like like I hit the lottery. You know. Which is why it was such an easy decision for me to be like, all right, I'm I'm gone when closing this full time. But that is such that is so much money for a college student. And that's why, like, you know, I appreciate like anytime like you have like an accomplishment, like, you know, you're loud and proud about like what you accomplished, but you work for it, right? Like obviously, you know, you're gonna have your naysayers out there. They're gonna be like, Oh, this guy's full of himself and stuff like that. But like I'm a full believer in that if you work for it and you do the work and you accomplish something, like Flaunted if you got it, you know what I mean? <laughs> I actually feel like like 2020, I actually did that because I can talk about I had that chip on my shoulder from Total Madness and this and that. I feel like I've been chilling. Like you look at my social media, it's it's been nothing but me and Bailey practicing pictures yeah. before that. It's been like clips of me and my podcast just talking and giving advice. I rarely post anything, you know, flexing or flaunting. I don't like the, like I said, the, the two cars like I don't like they're they're still in LA. I'm letting my, my brothers and them take them. I'm I'm chilling. Like yeah, we gotta pretty big place in, in Puerto Rico, but 
for the most part, I do believe what you're saying. Like, if you want, if you have it, like you can say whatever you want. But I, I really feel like I'm, I give way more value than what the normal average fan may see from me. They, they just see he's acting larger than life. But they read the caption, they see what I'm actually saying. I'm really trying to give value because when I was coming up, that's all. That's all I saw. I just saw value from these people that I looked up to. So I feel like I'll be chilling right nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be a final question now, and this will be probably the hardest question so far. <laughs> I'll take it. So at one point, did you kind of see, like, because first off, let me preface by saying, like, I have so much appreciation for the way that you and Bailey would ride for each other. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I feel like everybody should strive in a relationship. I appreciate it, my man. So this is where my question will be. At what point did you first realize, like, you know, I think I kind of, uh, I think I kind of like drugs for me. Uh, day six in the Big Brother house. No, 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 no. I, I lied. Day day eleven in the Big. Actually, that was actually worse. Day eleven in the Big Brother house. Um, is when I when I realized that. Um, because when people go back in time and actually actually see, Bailey was the first person I met inside the house. The minute I walked in, Bailey was the first person at the door. First person I hugged. First person I said my name to. And when I won the first challenge that same day against Angela, then I was like. Especially, I'm 27 now, so I'm much more mature. About 23, I was wrecked. I was coming in the house, like, acting like I'm, I'm, I'm the shit and stuff. Bailey pulled me to people. They, they, on, it's on camera. She was like, hey, like, you know, you're a fellow African-American. I'm looking out for you. Like, you're coming off strong, just kind of chill. So I looked at her. It's like, okay, she's clearly looking out for me. She's clearly my friend. And then when she, this wasn't aired, but when Tyler won the actual first HOH, uh, him and Bailey was kind of going back and forth and back and forth about, because I think Tyler put, like, a ball in Bailey's bin, which almost got her out. And it was going back and forth. So after that, I pulled her to the side. I was like, yo, like, I don't think Tyler and him really rock with you from, you know, that little altercation, whatever. And then um, by by day, me and, what people don't know, me and Fessy were sleeping together in the same bed. Two, six, four, two, six, five, people sleeping together in the same bed. And uh, Rachel and Casey were sleeping together, and Bailey and Caitlin were sleeping together. So we, we switched it to where I'm sleeping with Bailey, because we were obviously close. Fessy was sleeping with Caitlin. And then uh, Casey with whoever, I think it was Rachel, whoever it was, whatever. And then the, when we were sleeping together, um, I don't know how this happened, but we, at two o'clock in the morning, we just kissed, I guess, and we're kissing. And then I, and after that, once we kissed, the first day I was upset with myself because I was like, okay, I really need this money. I need to make sure that I'm focused. I'm pretty sure she's focused on the same thing. It was an accident, but boom, but. The next day I saw her, every time I looked at her, I was just like, wow, like I, I like you more and more and more. And it wasn't until day 11 until I realized that I actually like, I actually like love you and actually like want to pursue this outside of the show. And then I obviously got limited to day 23, but day 11 was when I, when I day 11 when I asked with my girlfriend. And then uh, days later, I realized I fell in love. Did you feel like there were hurdles like maintaining like such a public relationship, or do you feel like if you love someone like that ultimately trumps any public relationship? Problem? Yeah, there there were uh, hurt, first of all there were hurdles in the show because we had to keep it quiet, and then once we once as a last ditch effort, because um, I got backdoored to like sway some votes, we started telling certain people that we're together so they can feel sorry for us. Um, I still got sent home, but then Bailey going through the miscarriage and navigating that together, we knew people don't understand why I proposed after being out for 23 days, even though I knew she was pregnant, I knew she went through the miscarriage she went that by herself. 
And then um, going into the real world, I do feel like the love kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't know if all love Trump saw, but our love does. You know, we got questioned by, you know, her own family saying, like, is this even going to work? Can I provide for her? Questioned by the media. Are they, like, they only know each other for 22 days. They're only going to last for two years, one year tops. Like, but me and Bailey made it a priority to make sure we last because we actually loved each other. We, we never said to each other, we're going to make it last to rub it in everybody's faces. We, we said we actually loved each other. And, and the day that we stopped loving each other, then we'll stop being together. We haven't we haven't stopped or come close to it at all. So I do think that love trumps all, no matter if you're in the public uh, eye or not, you just got to kind of find a balance on on navigating that. Because there will be some disagreements or arguments or X, Y, and Z on, on what somebody said, whether it's us two or something that was said in the public and we disagree on, like, you know what I mean? But no matter what, I do think love trumps all. I think the ones that don't that don't last, their love didn't trump all, or they couldn't they they couldn't get over a certain barrier. Like there's barriers along the relationship that is like heightened and very very important, and if they if they broke up, they couldn't get over something crazy. So, right, not everybody can do it, but um, you guys have done a very good job of navigating that. And I want to thank you again for uh, taking uh, the time of your busy schedule to come on here and chat with me. I had such a fun time chatting, dude. And I'm, uh, so, nah, all the great stuff you. Nah, me too, bro. I'm I'm chilling in Puerto Rico, man. I, even though I, I'm I'm busy, like I feel I'm like I'm in PR. I'm here to just relax. I, I'm not here to be stressed out every day and work every single day. So I I can do like obviously podcasts like like yours. Like we've been talking about it for for a very long time. And you probably won't see me do another podcast for another minute. You know what I mean? It just depends. But um, I don't. I'm very selective, but I, I feel like you do a good job at, at, at doing what, what you're doing right now. So I have no problem, you know, spending time with you, bro. Thanks so much, man. I'm, I'm gonna keep following what you do from afar, and um, thanks again, man. Have a great rest